This is episode four of The Creative Outsiders, and I'm your host, Siobhan Hill. The Creative Outsiders is a collective of women storytellers that aim for sisterhood through a community that provides professional development for emerging filmmakers. Simply put, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. And today I get to chat with Christina and I'm excited because I've been stalking her Instagram for like the past three months. So let's get into the show. Hey girl. Hey, (laughs) that was a hard one to hold back. Hey, how you doing boo? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I had to tell everybody like that whole, Hey, is so weird. Cause it's like, you want to, you know, yeah, feel like you're supposed to hug or something. I so. know, right? I was thinking like I should probably do video. Like talking to people on just audio is weird to me sometimes. No, it really okay. is. Yeah. <laughs> um. So as I was telling everyone, I have been following your Instagram, and I don't even know how I found it. It's always um, funny how you start to follow a person, and then you look back like we're talking, and I don't remember how I found you. I don't so. remember either. I you, I think I found you. I think I found you. I think one of the the female directors I fa- follow reposted. You did some type of article on them or something, I think. And then I reposted okay. from that. Um, so I might have followed you first because I was like, oh, oh, you know what it was? Um, I think it was when Ava was speaking at the L.A. Fest, I think it was. Um, I think that's when it was. I don't know. I don't Maybe know it was. It might be. And I, was I like, don't know. Oh, look at all these women. Right. But regardless, I found you. You found me. And, and we friends now. We Instagram friends. Exactly. So I um tell everybody I am such a researcher and mm-hmm. uh oh, you went deep sea you went deep sea diving? I did. You're gonna be surprised at some of the stuff I went and I found. I said, Oh, I'm about to use this when I talk to her. Oh, really? Oh man. Mm-hmm. I have not scrubbed my life either, so you found you found some you found the old me probably. <laughs> nah, it was but good. Ahead. I was up there okay. giving you a hand class and everything. So Okay. So I thought it was pretty interesting mm-hmm. to know that you received your MFA from YouTube and Google University. When I read that <laughs> line, I was cracking up. I did. I did. I have no professional background in anything that I do. Um, I took one class in between my grad and my undergrad life. Um, it was like a year difference. I took one Photoshop class and I was like, I could teach myself this for the $2,000 I just paid. And I don't even think I finished that class. I definitely didn't finish that class. You don't have to tell me. I got my MFA and I'm over here looking at these student loans. Like, girl, what was you thinking? Oh, well, However, right. I have, it is a, what it I have is. student loans for my MDiv, unfortunately, but you know. So tell me what route you took. So I know a lot of people um, that listen to us, follow us on our Instagram and um, website. Um, we kind of have a mixture of people who did go to school and then we have a lot more who are starting to follow us who haven't gone to school. Mm -hmm. So what skill did you start working on first when you said, Hey, I'm going to do this filmmaking thing. Like, Mm -hmm. where did you start off first? I started off as a photographer actually. Um, in 2006, my niece was born and it was when the iPhone first came out. So I had an iPhone. I've always been into gadgets, like always, um, And I took a picture with her on this iPhone and it was like my world expanded within. Like, I remember the very picture that I took. 
Um, and then uh, I started following, this was, you know, Facebook was still fresh. I started following some people on Facebook that were photographers. And I asked one of the photographers, hey, what's a good camera? Um, I went on eBay. I bought a Canon um, Rebel. I bought a Rebel. And um, I started taking pictures. Probably a year into, not even a year into that, somebody was like, I see you with a video camera. And so I went on eBay and I researched and I found a Canon uh, XHA1. So it was, it's a pretty good camera. I paid like $2,000 for it. I was a social worker back then, so I had some money and I was living at home with my mother. <laughs> um, right, so you were saving them coins. So I had some coins to use. Um, and me and my friends one day, I had learned how to use Final Cut. My background was in music as well. Like when I had graduated grad, me undergrad, I built a, a recording studio in my basement. And, um, like it was a real recording studio. Like I had invested some real coins in it. Um, and we had produced a lot of projects out of it. And I noticed that a lot of the artists that I were working with didn't have music videos and we had, um, recorded a song and it was a great song. And I was like, yo, let's go shoot a video after church. And, um, about 12 of me and my friends and the artists. And we went, we found an abandoned house, um, that was decapitated. So half of the house was open. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I shot and edited a music video, um, using Final Cut. Um, I think it was like Final Cut 5 back then. And then one of my friends connected me to another guy who was doing video at the time. And he was, he was a few, he was, he was ahead of me, you know, he was ahead of me and, um, he needed to use my studio. And I had been in one of his videos that he had recently shot. And I liked the way, for example, that he he crushed the blacks. So I was like, dude, I really don't know much about this final cut or coloring at all. Mainly the coloring was what I was like, helped me with. And he came by and he sat in my studio for a few hours and showed me what to do. And that's really how it started. And um, probably since then, I've just been aggressive in YouTube and Googling. Um, I have never been on a film set. Um, even to this day, um, even though I've done documentary work and stuff like that, I've done like that kind of stuff, but I don't consider that like a real full, full film set. Um, yeah. And I just, I learned. And then when I got a job at PBS, this is fast forward now, about a year ago, about two years ago now, um, I learned a whole lot about the process of filmmaking and what, you know, what everything takes. And then I really just soaked a lot up from the guys that I was working with. They had been in the industry for so long. Um, and then I ended up getting a studio and I invited people to my studio to teach me what they knew based on what we did last season in Single and Anxious and in a very gentle and loving way, they ripped everything apart. And then we figured out how to fix and taught us how to make, change our mistakes. Um, so we did that probably for the first two months of being at the new studio. Um, so that's really like a really fast forward, but the route that I took, uh, was learning how to use the camera, um, in a very unconventional way. I never Googled, um, you know, angles and stuff like that. I've always just wanted to be very natural in the way that I approached framing. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Um, so just to go back, just to clarify for everyone, mm-hmm. I know that you, okay, you did the first music video. So how did you then consistently begin to put in practice what you were basically, um, self-taught as far mm-hmm. as the camera, especially since yeah. you didn't rely upon angles um, via the web. Yeah. So I was, um, I was fortunate enough that my first music video was amazing. Um, and okay. I got no, to go research, research and see that. 
and let me see if I, I'm gonna Google this. It's called, it was by Fiend, his name was Fiend X House of Pain. Um, yeah, so uh, P-H-I-E-N, uh, I think, yeah, it's not even available anymore, but I do have it on my Vimeo, I'll send you the link. Um, and it was, it was really good. And uh, I had gotten a lot of hits on like YouTube. Oh, it's actually, it's there. Um, on YouTube and stuff like that. You know, you know, a lot of hits for, actually somebody reposted it for what it was. Um, and then it was a website called Rapzilla, um, which is a Christian hip hop website that picked it up. Um, and then another Christian hip hop site picked it up. So what happened was people saw that I did this first music video and that it was for, for the time it was very gutter. It was grimy. The angles were different. It was nothing like what people were doing at the time. Um, and you know, more people decided to hire me and I did a lot of work in different churches and stuff like that. So I would say that working in churches is what allowed me to consistently use my gift. Um, okay. as well as nonprofits. Okay. So, okay. You're out there. People see it and they're mm -hmm. like, okay, this is pretty dope what she's doing. Mm -hmm. How, and we're going ahead a little bit, but it's mm -hmm. cool. How then did you know, okay, how do I price? How do I charge? Because then that's another thing that one creatives already struggle with. We're like, uh, I, was gonna I, say, I still struggle with, I still <laughs> struggle with that. Even with even when people have big budgets, I still struggle with it because, in all honesty, I think in a lot of ways, depending on where where you're at and your level of industry, a lot of stuff is overpriced. Um, and I think a lot of it's overpriced because of the time gap and space in which a lot of creatives work. Um, yeah. So you have to compensate for the fact that you might not work for three months. Um, so the part of it is that um, and. I, I, I used to be like, all right, well, what's your budget? Um, and, and, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't picky. In the beginning, it was like, oh, $200. Okay, I'll shoot your video. Um, right. You going to buy me lunch that day, too? Um, not realizing that I'm literally, and this is this was, you know, before I was talking to somebody recently about plural, a program called Pluralize. This was when Pluralize was in version one. Um, so it wasn't lining up the audio and the video from the camera because it was a separate source or from the music, from the music video. Like it was hours of painstaking lining up mouth and vocals. Um, so I, you know, I probably made 25 cents an hour after it was all said and done back then. Um, so I think a big part of even the process of, of, you know, figuring out how to charge and stuff like that was realizing what people really could do. Um, and what people couldn't, I got a root, I've gotten rude awakenings a lot along the journey, but one of my really big rude awakening was I had charged, this artist was like, I don't have it. I don't have it. And then, um, you know, I ended up shooting his music video in Maryland and they paid for me to take the train to Maryland and he picked me up from the train. And this was a, this was like when the first iPad came out and he had a brand new iPad mounted in his car. Oh, I'd have been like, oh, you have enough to pay me. And then we got to the house and he was like, yeah, we live here with my mother-in-law, him and his wife. And I was like, bro, you ain't even paying no real bills either. <laughs> um, so right. I, I think that kind of stuff has made me, you know, even up my prices, um, even as of recent um, in dealing with new level of clients that were kind of like, because people are seeing more and more of our work now and they're like, oh, wow, this is, this is dope. Um, I've had to really like step back and say, okay, what am I going to charge? Because I'm a, I'm, oh man, I'm, I'm way too nice. 
I'm so nice. And my DP, he's always like, you know, because my heart is, I really just want to do it. And right. I want us to be able to pay our bills. But at the same time, we can't shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, so, you know, charging is always hard. Um, but there's this this mantra that goes out, whatever price that you're thinking, double it. Um, and it's the hardest thing to do. Um, but it's it's the most important thing because everything that you, you plan out and you figure out is probably going to take two times that amount of time. Right. Um, and when we did the P- the documentary with PBS, um, the contenders, man, we realized that like probably two weeks into it, we were all like, tag, none of, none of our day rates were right compared to the, the work that we were doing. Um, but we did it and we learned so much. So that was great about it. But, you know, I think even for new creatives, when you're new in the, in the game, you're like one, two years in and you're still learning, and you're still getting your ropes. I say, take what you can do what you can get. Um, Mm -hmm. but once your work starts to look like, you know, someone of status and it's been around for a while, double your prices. And then in six months, double your prices again. Um, the problem with that though, sometimes if you're not getting in the right, you know, circles that have that kind of money is that, um, you might not get work. And then I say, make the stuff you love and don't do it for money because then you'll get better by doing the stuff you love instead of always doing it for money. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I agree. And that's, I mean, and I was going to ask you too, then like, when is your limit of, okay, this is when I should step up my charging, but you answer that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I mean, we all know you look at yourself and you're like, okay, I stepped it up. So let me step. And when your friends and when your friends is really honest, what you tell you, you did that. That's when you should step it up. Right. Okay. So y'all heard that. Don't be out there uh, not charging. I don't know why we start. I mean, and everybody, like, it doesn't even matter. Even my friend that's uh, creative and it's not necessarily in filmmaking, she struggles. And I'm like, listen, you better start charging because somebody else will say it and they have less experience than you do and they don't care. And then the quality probably isn't as good. You know, it's, it's, it's not about, and this is, I think this is probably the hardest lesson that I learned. And even kind of like where I'm at my career is not about how good you are anymore. It's about who, you know, and then how good you are, Mm -hmm. who, you know, will get you in the door and how good you are. will keep you there, but don't be afraid to charge. Like, don't be afraid to charge. Okay. So you already kind of spoke about it, but I want you to tell us about your web series. Oh yeah. So, Okay. We took the web off of our off of off of what we just what we created for season two, so it's called single. Oh, okay. We took it off because when they see okay. this, what, let me tell you, we look like a straight up TV show. <laughs> um, so, I can't wait because I'm still I have I have like I think I have two more left in the first season, so I was like, let me hurry up before. Girl, just get it get it over with. Just just get it over with. It can't, it doesn't compare, like, you know, we tell people, please go watch season one. It's called Single and Anxious. You can watch it on YouTube or you can watch it on Amazon. Um, It's about uh, 20-something college students who are caught in a triangle of love, lies, and crime. So we follow these characters. The lead uh, character is Carissa. Um, Her her best friend is Amaya. And then she's dating this guy, T, who's a drug dealer. Um, But her father is a DA. Um... And, you know, we kind of like see how 20 somethings go about their love life. Um, and mm-hmm. <laughs> look at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
So what I what I really wanted to do, like if people dig on me, they'll know that I'm a Christian. That's that's evident. Even though when you watch the show, you might not know that when you're watching the show. You'll notice that something's different. There's some things that we just don't do as far as being, you know, trying to create ethical media. I really wanted to create a show that a 14-year-old and a 50-year-old could watch together. Um, right. I really wanted to bring back the reminiscence of a living single of a different world. Um, and then mix it with the wire without the strip clubs. Um, because I really feel that, um, that little area is missing. Um, and I heard Issa Rae talk about it on the breakfast club. There's nothing for 18 to 24, you know, for younger kids to watch. It's nothing. It's like, you know, they say, oh, well, they are watching power. Oh, they are watching insecure. There they are, but they're sneaking or it's just not, it's, it's too much for them. Or you have an audience of people for those shows are too much for them. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's fine. Like great shows, like not down in them. It's just an audience that I felt was missing. Um, and so season one, we did the best we could with what we had. Um, this was actually the second time that I did the show. The first time we've scrubbed the internet of it. <laughs> um, and I, oh man, it was bad. Um, <laughs> it looked good. It was clean. It looked mm-hmm. good. Um, but like the cut, no one stayed. It was just bad. It was a learning experience. I didn't have a great crew. Um, I settled, I settled on the actors. Um, and if I have to give one, one tidbit of advice to people who want to do scripted stuff, never settle on your actors. Um, so I settled and then, um, I had some, some life issues that happened and I was still shooting and stuff, but it was kind of like a struggle to get this show back off the ground. Um, what I'll say about that is having the right leadership around you, the right people to guide you is super important. Um, and at the time I just didn't, they were kind of like, no, you don't need to do the show. And I'm like, but it's burning inside of me. I need to do the show. Um, and so we started again and what you see now is single anxious season one. Um, and it was good. Like we had the ADR, everything, you know, my crew tells me that I'm harder on myself than what it was. But for me, when we finished season one, the premiere sold out, it's gotten some hits. Um, we've got, yeah, we've gotten attention from, you know, some networks and stuff like that. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I envisioned. Um, it was good, but it wasn't what I saw. Um, so instead of, you know, just being like, all right, it's good. Let's let's keep it here. Um, we did probably what no other show without a budget has done. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, because that that's <laughs> the next thing. I've read, I said, I'm her because I need, this gave me hope. Okay, so Baby. I, have to, I have to let y'all know. I have to read this to y'all. So I'm, you know, doing my research. So um, create, Creative Thought Media, that's your mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. So y'all managed to shoot in 25 locations, mm-hmm. train 30 actors, mm-hmm. <clears throat> film in 21 days, mm-hmm. and complete post-production in eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Y'all the real MVP. But then that's not even like the icing. Mm-hmm. You did all of that without a budget. No money. When I no, okay, so, no, so when no, I say I, no money, I, I'm going to tell you what I spent. I spent $150 on the person to do the score. Um, but I don't consider that money. <laughs> um, no, no. Of, so when I say zero, like, I feel like that's an offering. Um, all right. So let me tell you what happened. All right. So I'm going to say how, how what? I need to know. Yeah, so season one, 
um, my, me and my husband, we were living really below our means. Um, and you know, my husband's a photographer, all, all of our photography and design, my husband does, does. So think about that. We pay for none of our photography and design because he does that. Um, that's number one. Number two, he let me take all of the money that I was making at PBS and buy everything we needed. Like we, me and my DP, we looked at, cause we've had, you know, I've been doing this for years. So we had gear, but it was, you know, we would have to rent lenses and rent this and rent that. And so while we were shooting right before we were shooting single anxious season one, um, I was like, well, let's just buy everything we need. So we never have to depend on anyone. Um, and that's what we did between Amazon and eBay and Craigslist. We bought every piece of equipment that we would need, um, from, you know, just everything. Um, so that's number one. So we don't have the production costs, right? We don't have the cost of what it costs to use equipment because we own everything. Um, number two, my actors believe in the project. I would love to pay these guys. Like these guys are my, these are not just like, some people that are random. These are my friends and not my friends because I've known everyone so long, but my friends, because we spend that much time together that this is family, um, like BFFs. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, for food. So, okay, hold on. Let me tell you what we did as well. So with single anxious season two, we got a DP to come in and sit down with my, with me and my DP, a more seasoned one and tell us everything we did wrong um, he also told us everything we did right, and he told us how to make it better. Then we had a colorist to come in, because season one, I paid a colorist, and I wasn't satisfied with it. So that same colorist came to the studio and taught us how to color better ourselves, so that the eye that I had, I would be able to tell, you know, whoever's coloring. The, the colorist this time were myself and my DP. Um, my editors. I'm a t I, by, by nature, I'm a teacher. So I taught an 18-year-old who knew nothing about editing <laughs> that I got, um, from a program that I teach at. Um, he just wouldn't leave us. So I was like, Hey, you know, he was a, he was a boom operator on set. Um, I was like, Hey, you want to know how to edit? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I taught him how to edit. Um, fan who plays Tasha. Um, she's been in school for, for, uh, for, for film, but she wanted to really go deeper in her editing. So I taught her how to edit better. And then I taught my DP how to edit better. Cause by trade, I'm an edit. Like well, if I had to really say what I was, what I got paid the most for throughout my career, it's editing. Um, I, need, I, was, I need to come, look, I need to come and take a less, some lessons from you. No, I'm for, teaching no, myself now. I will say that the way that I teach is completely different than anyone else. Like people think we paid people to do what we do. Um, and then we also, we realized we had a big sound issue. So um, one of my best friends, uh, I told her how to audio engineer and her schedule at work changed. I said, hey, can you run the audio? Because the person that did it last season was horrible, like horrible. Um, and so she came and ran the audio. No one knew what they were doing. I taught them how to do what I want, what I did. And then they were able to like, we were at a mixing session to today. And the audio engineer was like, you guys killed this. Like we have no issues in our audio. Um so the only thing that we couldn't fix as far as audio is concerned is um, the diner. There were too many, you know, um, what is it called? Um, like fridges that we couldn't turn off that were coming okay, on. Yeah. Um, so we have to ADR that. Um, the mixing, for example, from the show. Um, 
Biddy, his name is, his name is I am Benjamin, young guy that goes to Temple. Um, he wanted to get into, he does a lot of audio engineering for, like, he's done Jasmine Sullivan, Lil Yachty, and a lot of artists and stuff, and people in Philly, he's, in, he's at Temple. Um, he wants to do film. So he knew I was doing it. He did a short film for me. He was like, yo, anything you need, I got you. So he's mixing the show. Um, the Folly, um, the, the young lady who ran um, Ashley Mangum, she runs the the sound department. She did The Folly, um, as well as um, she did the music supervision with me. We have over 40 songs in season two, not including the score. Um, then what else happened? Food, for example. Um I put out fillers a lot for interns and because I have a studio it's, it's people and because I'm so hands-on people normally they come and they stay like I, I don't they I really I rarely not keep retain people even for free um because they love the experience they love the atmosphere we don't have no drama on our sets um and that's really awesome she came and she knew nothing but when I look at people I look at them from the perspective of What's your gifting? And I was like, yo, I think you will be a great associate producer. She was like, I don't fully know what that means, but sure. So I was like, what I need you to do is find us some sponsors. My main thing was I want a beer sponsor. <laughs> I wanted a beer sponsor. Like I had a soda sponsor, but I knew we were doing um, some party scenes and stuff like that. I wanted a beer sponsor. She ended up getting a beer sponsor, uh, a vodka sponsor, um, Acme sponsored us, and like a host of other people sponsored us. Um, oh, she was hustling. She, she, but you know, you, you teach them how to fish, they can go fish. Um, so she hustled. Um, the wardrobe came out of everyone's closets. And then the people who didn't have clothes, we went to H&M and whatever else, and they would wear it. And then we would go take it back. <laughs> they would wear it, then we'd go take it back. Um, the stylist on it is Shelby K. Shelby Kilted. She used like all the girls. We would bring all the jewelry we had and then just pick out the bag, the box. Um, the guys, we were very intentional about their attire. The character Jacob, we pretty much kept him in black. Um, the mm-hmm. character T, because of where he's at with his his life, we kept him kind of like not as smooth as he should be. Um, the, the character Santos, we kept him in this black, all black leather jacket. It was like, that's just you. Um, and Tasha, we just kept flipping her wardrobe. Carissa, um, we, we, we figured, oh, you know, I did spend, I spent... I spent money on the wigs, unfortunately, on episodes one wig. That's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> we learned a lot from, from wigs. Because um, that's one thing I loathe. I hate when people, like, you could have an awesome story, mm-hmm. but those wigs bad, I can't focus. All I'm looking yeah. at is your bad wig. Yeah. So I could do a whole podcast episode on episode one's wig. And because we don't shoot in order, we had to keep that thing around. And every time we had to use it, it was like, all right, which one of y'all going to curl this? Because I just, yeah. So the one thing that we don't, we did, oh, makeup style, makeup. So I got girl, I have girls in this, in this job. So everyone needs makeup. And um, my producer, she was hustling because she got us eight makeup artists that were willing to, to give their service. Now, do you know, it's hard. I think the hardest people to work for free on a set is the makeup artist. Oh, yeah, they're not trying to at <laughs> no, all. No, they don't want to at all. They don't care about the credit or nothing. No. But we, we were graced with, like, eight amazing women um, that, that really hustled for us. Um, oh, and then 
the biggest thing that made the biggest difference, if you want to ask me what's going to make the difference in season two, is that um, how we how we got training for 30 actors. So um, season one, you'll see that there's really only 10 people with the show. Mm-hmm. Um, that's normally how web series are, right? right. It's, it's not a whole lot of people. But that wasn't the vision for Single and Anxious for me. The vision was different world meets the wire, um, okay. which means a whole lot of people. Yeah. Um, so when I went back to the writing board this time, I, I wrote like I had money. I said, well, what would it be like if I did this with money? Um, and so we had to cast 30 people, t- no, 20 actors, um, including extras. We use over 84 people. Um, mm. And that's good. There's this amazing actor. His name is Toby Gadsden. He's the, I, I believe I'm going to say this right now because y'all going to see him as long as I work. Um, he is, I think he can be the next Denzel Washington. And he's been teaching acting in the city of Philadelphia and not acting. Um, and I noticed that some of my actors were going to him and they were, they were like improving like overnight. So I told you I'd never been on a film set. I've never had, there's, there are no female directors. I live in Philly. I don't live in LA. In Philly, we have nothing that Atlanta, New York, or LA has. I live in um, Virginia. So yeah. So you, you close, you close, you understand. Um, and what had happened was I emailed him and, and I GDM'd him and I said, can I shadow you to learn how to direct my actors better? Cause there's something that you're doing that I'm not doing. Um, and he came in and he was like, we, we talked for like seven hours. His car got towed. <laughs> and before that had, before he found out about the car, he was like, look, he was like, I saw your show. I believe in it probably more than you believe in it at this point. I want to help in any way that I can send me every one of your actors. I'm not going to charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has classes Monday through Thursday. Um, and instead of just sending my actors, my Lord, he will come to my studio and they, he would use, he would have extra days that he left his class to somebody else and came and taught them at our studio. Um, and that made the difference for us. And then he would come on set. What people don't know, and what I started to notice when I started to look at, you know, credits a little differently in, in this new season of my life, is there's an acting coach on every credit. And people think that it's always the director that is coaching the actors. Yeah, the acting coaches are there coaching the, the actors on the side. Um, and then I also discovered, you know, I, I found out who Ava DuVernay's acting coach was. <laughs> um, and Look, who's acting coach? I'll send you her. She actually has a few books. And I, I read her, um, yeah. direct, her, one of her books is directing actors. Um, and like, you know, control people on IG. And she's like, you know uh Ava's talking to her and she's talking to Ava and she talks about you know how she's had uh sessions with Ava and I'm like Google like Skype sessions so yeah <laughs> um yeah and she's I like she's like the, the name of the huh? book I said you have yeah to- no I'm looking it up now um and then he would come to set sometimes in the beginning for us to help us get into um into 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 motion um so that's what's that's that's kind of like how it happened. I don't have a problem asking. I am very I'm full disclosure. I set the proper expectations for people. This is what it is. This is what we got. This is what we don't got. Um, my guys are not like, um, can I get back pay? Um, my guys are like, we're going to get picked up. 
Like that's that's everyone's thought process. It's not how much money can we make now. It's oh, we know we're going to we know we're going somewhere. Um so and that, because, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um and that, and that I think if that makes any difference, I think how I treat people um is is the missing is sometimes the missing component it's, uh, it's called directing actors by Judith Weston. Um okay is often the missing component to people. I treat everyone like their family and I'm, you know, I'm not perfect at all. Like I've, I, but I don't have a temper. I think that helps too. I don't have a temper. I don't cuss out people. Um, I might be short with you sometimes, but you know, I'm doing it in love. And then I give you the ability to come to me later on or whenever and pull me aside and say, Hey, this hurt my feelings. Um, I think if that happened, I think that's what makes the difference Um, from somebody Mm -hmm. having a good experience and um, Mm -hmm. are willing to work with you is how you treat them. Because Mm -hmm. I think that people get this air about them and it's like, but wait, you could be an awesome director, but if your attitude is horrible, nobody's trying to work with you. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And you know, I want people, I really do want people to come back. Um, But It sounds like though that you have, a really good system because that's what I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you start creative thought media? Mm-hmm. But then it seems like, which I've been telling people filmmaking is a collaboration. It's not about one mm-hmm. person. So why did you start creative thought media? Um, so me and my husband, we have, so I started creative thought media before I got married. And then my husband joined creative thought media. Um, but from the day we kind of like sat down, even when we were, when we were recording, um, he was, we, we came, we came up with kind of like what we wanted to do. And the crust of what we wanted to do was to create original content that influences the culture for us. We never truly wanted to do services. We do services out of need. Um, and then we also wanted to, even with the people we serve is we want to make something out of nothing. Um, we want to show people it doesn't take a lot if you don't have it. You might not be able to do, you know, I have this idea in my head for a movie. I can't do that movie right now. Like the, the, the special effects alone, we just, we don't have the the capacity to do it. Um, but we want to show people that if you have an idea and you stick with it and you learn how to execute well, and you learn how to collaborate well, you can do it. Um, so that's really why we created, we really just want to influence the culture. Um, and recently it's, it's been us wanting to influence the culture with original content. You know, every, so almost everybody named mama does video now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But how do you do video that people remember? Um, how do you do video that's not all about talking? Um, I, that, that's something that's really important to me. Um, and I just noticed a lane that, that hardly nobody is going in. It's like, God, like every show is about, is, is, is about, late 30 somethings or, you know, 45 year olds playing late 30 somethings or 30 somethings. Um, and it's the same, it's like the same style of show over and over. Like I love girls trip, but I can't take my niece to see that. I'm not saying you cannot, you cannot, I'm not taking, you know, like (laughs) I saw and I was like, you know, um, amazing movie. No, you know, so I I think for us, we create because we want to figure out how to bridge that gap. Um, and we create also for people of color. Um, like right now, you know, when I first, you know, was pitching single and anxious around, um, people were like, well, incorporate white people, incorporate this, incorporate that. And I just didn't feel right about it. They were just like, why don't you 
blend. And I was like, for this show, this one isn't, you know, right off the bat, as far as the main cast, isn't meant to blend. It's meant to portray, you know. So how do I portray characters who, for okay, Carissa, she, it's very intentional, her personality and her style mm-hmm. and her being from a good family. All that's very intentional. Because we've always stereotyped the girl that's with the that's with the drug dealer is from a bad a broken home, mm-hmm. or we've always yeah. stereotyped the drug dealer that he's always on the block, right? My drug dealers ain't always on the block like that. My drug dealer is actually in the season two trying to get the young boy to think not on the block, you know. Right. Um, T T has two degrees, you know. So I think the big thing for me is taking these thoughts of stereotypes and showing you, no, sometimes a good girl goes for the for the well-put-together drug dealer that no one knows is a drug dealer. So yeah. that's kind of like why what, what I want to do what I want to do. I like that. That's good. I'll have to have a side email with you about yeah. that. <laughs> um, so you also kind of talked about this, and it's so funny because we went ahead, but I had to still let you know, you're consistent on what you say. I know you were like, wait, mm-hmm. How far did you go back in the crates? But mm-hmm. I went and snooped on your Twitter mm-hmm. and you said <laughs> back in, when was it? I think it was in January or February. You tweeted, mm-hmm. if your business isn't getting the clients you want, do free work for the style of clients you want to attract. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you're right in line with what you said earlier. I just had to let you know, look at you. You know, because we were doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we shot, we shot, a, you know, we, we were really, um, man, we, we know what we can do. Um, and, you know, if I have to encourage people in anything, I let people put me in a box for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I let people control my creativity. Um, they made me a videographer instead of a director. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and I was very unhappy doing that. Um, and I think for me, probably about about almost two years in November, I just made the decision. I'm going to create what I want to create, what, what burns inside of me. And in the world of want, needing money, um, sometimes we don't create what we want to create, but I needed to figure out a balance between that. Um, and even, you know, going into new clients now, I make it very, you know, me and my friend were working on a documentary together and um, he wouldn't let me direct. And I just, I got one point, I said, well, you asked me to do this. Do you want me to direct or do you want to do it? <laughs> like, And, um, you know, he thought he was more creative than me. And I said, that's not a problem. But what the problem is, if you don't let me do my role, I can't be good to you. And so we decided, you know, not to do the project together um, because we had to communicate clear expectations Um and yeah, I think don't let people put you, I'm, you know, I'm making in the last, in the last six months, I've made my best work, mm-hmm. um, which means I need to make some more best work. Um, uh, and I need to keep pushing myself, but it, it really, it's not even like a push. It's just natural because now I'm allowing myself to grow. I'm allowing myself to be to to take the role of, di- of a director and direct instead of just you know them giving people giving me this idea and that's just what I do, um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's good. So you talked about it or spoke about it a little bit, but you are very transparent about your faith. I am. 
probably too transparent to some people. (laughs) But you're very transparent about your faith. Do you feel a responsibility to integrate that into your films? No. Um, So (laughs) this is how I resolve that. I, as a person, I am very transparent. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Christian media is very wet. Yeah, no, um, that was my next thing because even the stuff say. that even the stuff that people rave about, I think is very corny. Yeah, um, and, and what I've decided to do is, single and anxious was actually birthed out of me writing about singleness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got tired—not tired of the writing, but I just wanted something more creative um, because I am a natural writer. So, and I'm transparent about my life in general, my ups and my downs. Um, so I stopped writing the book and started writing a scripted series, not to, not really to change your mind, honestly, but to just display characters and flaws and people, um, that we can all relate to. Um, so I wrote a book called Single Anxious. It's actually coming out finally, um, on October 3rd. Um, and that is my biblical and that, and that's how, you know, if you, if you invite me to speak and it's not, you know, and you're just saying, do what you do. My faith is going to be entwined in it somehow as soon as I open my mouth. I've, I'm not a, a Christian that was raised in the church. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian that was born again, that death had me. Um, so for me, the, the, you know, the scriptures say, you know, to him who has been, to her who has been forgiven much, forgives much. Um, so that's me. Um, so my, my show, you know, and even, you know, some of my characters are Christian, Right. And so even when you see some of these, for example, Amaya, Amaya is a 100% celibate, don't kiss nobody <laughs> in her life. The character, the, the person, Darina, who plays Amaya, right? Um, so even her having to wrestle through what it's like to live this character that is very opposite to her was a struggle, right? And it's realizing you're not this character, you are this person, but then also having boundaries and saying, this is what I won't do. This is what I'm willing to do. Um, so I do have a, one character in this show that is Christian. Um, but what I've done with him, and he, you know, he's a Christian, so he he fights me on this, honestly. Um, because I don't want him to have a happy story all the time. Right. He actually is the one with the most drama, like, for real, for real. Um, his is just internalized in a different way. Um, there won't be any come to Jesus moments. Um <laughs> Uh, the grandmother we introduced in season two, she's about the most Christian thing you're going to get. But honestly, she's only there, not because we're pushing our faith, but because mm-hmm. of his his life background. Um, right. And I intentionally created a Christian character that fit in with people who did not believe the same way that he believed. Because I feel like people put Christians in a box. of, And I think Christians put themselves in a box of only having Christian friends and then you ain't no good to nobody else. Um, so even on our, on our crew, we do start in prayer. You know, I give a disclosure every time we do, you can take part if you want to. And if you don't, that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, cause my faith does inform who I am as a person. Um, does it inform my writing? Probably from the perspective of, I have some things that I'm just not willing to do, right. um, as far as where I want to go. Um, but yeah, no, I think Christian media is whack. Um, it and it it was honestly because I'm so honest about my faith. People thought Single and Anxious was a Christian show. <laughs> um, and you know, the deeper we get, the more you realize this is really just a show about you know singles that are flawed, mm-hmm. um, that don't have their lives together. Yes, I like that. So, 
I did see your book, but I wanted to ask you what's next for you. And the cover is, I love it. Like, I was like, yeah, I need to, like, the cover is just everything. It's really, yes. really nice. Y'all have to go look on her Instagram and see it. Yeah. But um, what's next for you? Oh, so what's next? We are, when I tell you, somebody going somebody gonna to give us this money. That's that's what's next. Um, Single and Anxious, the show, is currently... Uh, we'll be screening in Philadelphia for the first time on October 7th. Um, if you're available, come on, drive down. Come on, be with us. We're going to celebrate. We're going to chill. It's open bar. Um, it's at the Philadelphia Soundstage. I've never seen a screening on an actual soundstage. Um, and it's going to be great. But then following that, we go right on the road, and we're doing H. Well, uh, uh, I'm going to call it the Black Student Union Tour. Because <laughs> yes. we might just go to HBCUs. But we're hitting, we're in contact with multiple black student unions uh, across the East Coast. Um, and we'll be screening at a college near you this fall. Um, and then we're just, we're just doing as much press as we can. Um, and we're going right back into season two. I mean, season three. Um, that starts right back up in November. We start writing, we start in writing room, writer's room in November. We're probably, probably late October. Um, and I'll be speaking with Single Anxious, the book, Discovering True Contentment and Purpose Through Devotion to Christ. It is not about sex. It ain't got nothing to do with sex. It ain't got nothing to do with being married. It's, it's really just literally using my life and understanding um, some of the choices I've made. And hopefully you'll make some better choices, not with your dating life, uh, but with your internal life for yourself. Um, so even if honestly, the next book will be married and single, married and anxious, um, because it's not really just a book for singles. It's just that that happens to be the, the target audience this time around. Um, so that's kind of what, what's next for us. Pushing, like, if you listen to this um, and you you hear uh, and you see it, please share it. Like, we're, we're really trying to, trying to get the attention of people with budgets so we can finally start being paid. Um, we don't mind it, uh, but we need some fundage. Um, and you know we're we're open to not any deal because some networks we just ain't we can't we won't work on some networks <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like no nah, you want that raunchy sex scene that's not us right. um but if you want something that's juicy we are it um so that's kind of like where we're at and i'm just excited i'm excited to grow um you'll probably see us at a local uh film festival um we hit the film festival circuit very hard we are our own street team um by the time you you exit the film festival, you will have met one of us. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm just excited for you know what's what's going to happen. So let everyone know where they can keep in contact with you, your website, social media. Oh, you can go to singleanxious.com and keep in contact with us. Um, you can go to singleanxious on Facebook. You can go to singleanxious on Instagram. You can go to Christina Faith on uh, Twitter, Christina Faith on Instagram, um, Christina Faith on Facebook. Um, yeah, you can pretty much Google us. We out here. We really are out here. Yes, they are. They, I said, they are consistent. I'd be like, I'm going to have to try to get to the um, premiere <laughs> and go see. Come. See. I'm trying to tell If you, just come. Yeah. Just come. You're not that far. You're not, and my best friend lives in Philadelphia, so I really don't have an excuse. So I probably know your best friend. <laughs> Philly is this one. It really is. So thanks everybody for tuning in on our fourth episode. Yay. And, right. So keep up with us. You know you can follow us on 
all of my social media, The Creative Outsider with an S. And you can also follow me, Siobhan Hill, on Instagram and my website. So until next time, make sure you are out there hustling and doing what you need to do to live those dreams and dreams.